0: to I Love It, the podcast where we talk about the things people love and why they love them. This week, I've got my old friend Zoran on. He's going to talk about the influence of cable movies on his youth and how they sort of shaped his outlook in life. But more importantly, he sort of pivots into how those movies and, and how his parents let him watch those movies and their thoughts about those movies influenced how he's coping with the fairly recent death of his father. And then in turn, how he's looking forward to the impending birth of his first child coming up this fall. Um, It was really, really great to speak to Zorn about this. And I just want to thank him for sort of opening up and talking about these things that could be a little heavy. And it was, I just found it to be a really rewarding conversation in in thinking about all these things. And I hope you feel the same way when you listen to it. Uh, We start things off on a lighter note, talking about how and when we first met way back in 1996, when I was interviewing to be an intern at The Late Show with David Letterman.
1: If someone would have told me when you first walked into the audience office, um, wait, what what, what were we called? What is it? The audience coordinator's office at The Late Show with David Letterman looking for an internship that 25 years later or some crazy shit like that, we would be... Oh, I don't know, in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> 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 weirder <and> weirder. <laughs> but yes, that is where we met. Um as we've previously mentioned many times and I, and it, it seems like the color gets crazier and crazier every time, but you were wearing like an electric blue suit and you came in being very Kevin. Um and and by that I mean just like being a great charismatic Guy that we were like, this kid's awesome. Like, why would we not want to hire Ah. him? All we do is sit in a ticket office all day. My God, we would process people's postcards. Oh my God, it makes me sound. So sometimes I say now that you know we worked at Letterman is like basically saying like you worked with Jack Parr or like Milton Berle
0: or some shit. It's what it. That's what it was to like when our parents would talk about Carson. Although we both watched Carson, but Jack Parr. You'd be like, okay, cool. But that's what that is now. Like, Letterman yeah. is this ghost of the past in a Ancient. weird way.
1: And then, and not only that, but the, so yeah, so just to timestamp it even more, we're talking like 1995, 90, no, no, Six, I think it was. And we would take people's postcards at re- requesting tickets for the late show and we would uh, input them into this shitty old computer uh, database. Um, myself and Sean Gottlieb, who is now like uh, a, a major executive at um, A&E Network. Yep. And um, and so yeah, like it was it, that was so long ago, but it's ever since then. And then we, of course, we were roommates. Um, you know, we probably made out with the same girls, not at the same time.
0: Uh but (laughs) we we did. But you also, it's so funny. Like, I feel like when Letterman retired, I was like, that guy literally changed my life. If I didn't get that internship, my life would be different. But the thing is like, you kind of changed my life because you were cool. And I felt like a vibe with you that did not exist in the, what nine other offices you go to when you like audition to be an intern. And everyone's like, yeah, dude, I don't have time for this. You were just like, nice. And I was like, I want to work with those guys. Yeah. And like, if you were a dick too, I probably wouldn't have got an internship and I would have like the <laughs> third best deli in my hometown right now.
1: Yeah. Oh, come on. At least like the second best deli.
0: No, I mean, but- the egg sandwiches would be great. <laughs>
1: um, it's funny. Cause that's how I got my start was an internship at CBS news in the promotions department, which was the least sexiest department kind of like the ticket office, you know, where you're just making promos for for the shows. But there was a guy, Mike Saranowski, who was a page at CBS uh, prior to getting that job. And I kept in touch with him, and he's the one that got me a page job. And that changed my life. And so, you know, in a lot of ways, it's... I, I, You know, the pay it forward thing sounds corny as hell, but definitely there's elements of that. And I also just think it's like... I mean you and I have survived working in this industry where so many people have fallen out of it. Um, True. And, you know, moved back to their homes or done whatever. And and I think it's it says a lot about you and everything as, as, as somebody who it's like, you know, there's a the motivation that you have, like an inner motivation. Um, and I felt like that was transparent there. Like, it was just bursting out of that electric blue. Uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I feel like there is like you and I's stories are different, but I think there's like a core thing of like these suburban kids yearning for Manhattan at that age. And, you know, we both had like a weird community college stint and all that yeah. stuff. I think like we could always relate to this thing of looking around the room and going, Holy shit. I can't believe we're here. <laughs> yes. Oh my God.
1: I, I see this all the time. So I have this, PA now, who I I really like her, and and I I realize that she has this sort of unfazed quality about her. But it's really because she's not somebody who wears her emotions on her sleeves. But she'll occasionally will just kind of say something or do something, and and I'm kind of like, my God, when I was a PA or when I first started in TV, I was just like, I, I'm actually going to talk about this a little bit in my in my cool. story or my what I love thing. But, like, everything to me was like a Broadway musical. Like, I was just constantly just like, I'm in television. (laughs) I'm I'm collating and stapling. Like, everything was so fucking exciting. And I don't know that I've necessarily ever really lost that. Because I really kind of – it's – well, because I work in development and everything, the percentages of getting things on the air and getting stuff made is so, like – you know, the odds are so stacked up against you, no matter who you're working for or what you're working on. Um, so I guess maybe that still humbles me <laughs> to this yeah. day, but, but I think it's those people who are always feeling that way. Those are those the kindred spirits And this way? I think our friends uh, page group, and specifically the ones that are still working in TV are the ones that were always sort of like most like, Holy shit. I can't believe we're doing this. So,
0: yeah. Um, and look, it's, it's also like then too. like, I wonder if I was 20 years younger, if it would feel as special, there's so much TV now. There wasn't yeah. as much then. So, like, you really felt like, oh, man, I made the cut. Like, now I feel like some people are like, I don't know. I'll be a story producer on a reality show. And you're oh. like, what? Oh, absolutely. Well, not only that, but it's just, like,
1: think about how many times we talked about when we were living together how you – how we would be like, wow, well, okay. So we'll make a short film. I mean, we didn't. We, <laughs> we, 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 but – we also like we would make a short film and then we'll put it in this short film festival that I heard about that's happening like a year from now. And meanwhile, kids are just like, "Yo, check it out! My phone. I'm here." And then oh. you do, and then you download it or upload it onto YouTube and whatever. It's not again. It makes us sound like like grumpy old men, but at the same time, no, it's just
0: a different world.
1: Yeah, it is a different world. But I work in television my life all my friends met my wife in television all these different things but like a specific time in my life that really sort of got me started in that but then also just kind of presented my entire worldview is the moment when we got cable in our uh when i was maybe nine or ten years old <laughs> I don't know the exact date and I was starting to think about it. And then I was just like, ah, just kind of leave it, you know, in my head. Yeah. Just You're freely. a big child. Yeah. And, and I, and so little kind of detour before that is, mm-hmm. and this is the sad part, but like, as you know, a couple years ago, my, my dad passed away. And one thing I did not, sh- so I told people that, and, and, you know, Essentially, like, the, the day before he died, I got into Pittsburgh and I got to see him one more time. And before I got there, I bought his favorite pizza and I bought his favorite, you know, like, Pepsi. Um, <clears throat> I came into the room and, like, I told people is that, like, he he and I watched a baseball game, which we did. And until he just, like, passed out and he was so tired after eating because his he would, had brain cancer he was getting over radiation and it just was the radiation was just, it's basically the thing that kind of killed him. Um, but you know, uh, he was super brave and he was super like dealing with everything. Okay. And, and I mean the fact that I had that moment with him is super unbelievably sacred and you know, in my life and everything. But the true part of that, that I do skip out for certain people Um, is that when I got there, my dad was watching uh, Fox News. (laughs) Okay.
0: Yes, which, you know, might not be the thing you're dying to watch, Zorn. Yeah,
1: well, and so, so you know, my dad was a big Trump guy, big Trump supporter, and we fought about it tooth and nail all the time. You know, I was like, until we finally just kind of agreed that we just can't have these discussions anymore. So that was about a year before he passed. And, and so after it all happened, after my dad passed, I kind of started seeing a therapist for the first time. And so I saw this therapist in, and, and over the course of this thing, it was basically my first visit with him was like, it's like, what's going on with me? Why am I... Why am I sort of, yeah, of course my dad passed, but there's some kind of lingering other questions. And and then just, you know, you talk to a therapist and the therapist that I have was like, he just let me talk the whole time. And, and, and I kind of would start to solve my own shit, Um, which as you'll see, I can, I have the tendency to do that. Just talk the whole time and eventually figure it come well, to, come t- t- t-
0: turns out you're it turns out you're a smart guy if you put your head to it you can figure well, it
1: out i mean it's also just sort of it is crazy because it's like this incubated state like you're just stuck in this room and you're just like just no don't put your phone you know like i am kind of new to therapy and it was you know definitely you
0: well, know just a just lot of good sort food. of therapy Trick seems unfair, but of like when you conclude a sentence and the therapist just sort of looks at you and you feel compelled to add more on. That's it, right? You're like, yeah. uh, I gotta say something.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, and I think he also kind of led me in certain directions, and and also too, it's not like they're they're not like fucking wizards, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like they, they need the information first, yeah. and you like you need to kind of get to a place and be like, okay, so where are you? Where are you really feeling right now? So my big question to him and to myself was like my father, why would my father choose to watch on literally on his deathbed, something that I wouldn't be able to, I mean, it would literally be punishment for me, physical anxiety, gut wrenching punishment to watch five seconds of any of that stuff. Um, And so it was a weird it's a, it's a crazy question to kind of unravel and try and figure out. So over the course of like certain, you know, visits with him, I would sort of speak to things of my worldview and how they differed from my dad. And things just kept pointing back to when we first got HBO. <laughs> this is amazing. The it's revelation so I did not expect. It's so weird, but it's like, There are these core group of movies. Now, I remember back then, HBO, they didn't have original series. There was no Game of Thrones. There was no nothing. It was just movies. Yeah. Occasionally, like, a comedy special, and that was it. So they showed certain movies, and they just showed them over and over and over again. And, you know, my parents were kind of, like, liberal about raising me and i mean they didn't ignore me or whatever but they certainly weren't like you know the parents were like you can only have so much screen time and you can't have cereal they were just kind of like yeah whatever my mother was from serbia she would she would say stuff to me like we'd we'd have like a a movie would come on and like you'd see boobs uh and my mother would in her serbian accent when she'd be like oh the the human body is beautiful don't worry don't it's not bad you know and i'm like yeah, and my dad would just be like, "Oh God, what is it? You know, and <laughs> he just it's fine. Don't worry. But meanwhile, if you go to Serbia, you could see like on the cover of their Time or Newsweek, it's like just naked boob, it's naked boobs, as opposed to covered boobs. But boobs you know, of the year. But but it's just like hot women, just because they were just like that's just it's just the way we do shit here, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: Um. And so there's a combination of that, and and also my dad just sort of trusting in in my mom with that to sort of whatever. So there's like these core group of movies and I would just come back to that as I was talking to the therapist, just being like, you know, I mean, and these aren't like, there's a couple of them that are like big name movies. Like Gandhi was a, oh, whoa. yeah. Amazing, amazing film. Um, obviously like Oscar winner worthy film that taught me so much about like politics and and, and race and classes, you know, classism and stuff. And and then like, but then like movies like Nine to Five, which is all one of my all time
0: favorite films. It's and correct me if I'm. Wrong, this is the Dolly Parton. They sort of te- yeah. Oh my god, yeah, it's fantastic. Speaking and, yeah, speaking of boobs, and it also like in the vein. And I know it's a movie you love as well, Mister Mom. There's some stuff in there that feels so of the time that is yeah. just not now. Yeah. But if you look
1: at Mister Ma I rewatched it. Yeah, I was telling you, and it's like there is some stuff in there that men were struggling with women, um, you know, having to, to to be the workforce and then being stay at home dads. It's still a ton of struggle like that. Yeah, you know? for sure. Um, and of course, trying to make America great again. All, so many of those hits have come back. And, you know, we were trying to force them back onto the culture. But anyway, but like nine to five is, yeah, like it just seemed like a movie that I just thought was funny, but it's how I view women in the workforce. Like, again, I'm not trying to paint myself out to be this incredible liberal, liberal who has no faults whatsoever, but um, like I don't see color or whatever, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. But it's just what happened was there was that, there's like, my love of Blazing Saddles is another. Oh, movie. nice! Which is also played constantly on HBO, and had an argument about this with a couple comedy writers, who one of whom you know. Yes, of course. There's it's cringy, cringeworthy to watch certain scenes now because we're so, yeah. you know, caught up in in certain ways that the culture is going in the right direction, and other ways, like for people to to shit on that movie when the fact that it was like written by Mel Brooks and Richard Breyer. Yeah. Richard Breyer was supposed to star in it, but they got Cleveland little just made more sense. But Cleveland little was like the first black actor lead in a comedy in a feature film in like Hollywood history at that
0: point oh wow i didn't know that like
1: crazy crazy stuff like that 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 it just opened doors going back and watching 80s movies that were sh- shot in new york and that old new york oh, um, it's so great it's so, so great fucking great tootsie like uh oh. amazing story so funny bill murray is unbelievable in it surprise but, yeah surprise yeah what a bold statement but like but it's that old New York and those cr- those cr- crowd shots. And then, of course, and I know you don't, you're not a musical guy, but a chorus
0: line. Uh, you know what? I feel like I saw a chorus line in the movie theater with my parents when they were still together. Maybe that's why they got divorced. Uh, <laughs> but I was furious because I wanted to see Buckaroo Banzai. <laughs> and was not old enough to see a, a feature upon my own.
1: Oh, my God. I rewatched that not long ago.
0: It's a weird movie. It's kind of great
1: though. It is really great. Yeah. It's really, really great. It's so weird. And I keep, that's actually one that I would not mind a reboot just because I'd love to see what somebody else would want to do with it. And it's so unique, the story. Um, But yeah, like it's just so, so one other aspect of this is that as I was talking to, My therapist about it. It reminded me of this Martin Scorsese documentary called American Journey Through Films. Oh yeah, yeah, right. So they also made it into it's a documentary. They had a book, and then they made it it was like a four part documentary. The whole time, it's like Scorsese going through what he thinks are his, you know, what he considers his great films, and when you. There's like an interview with him looking directly in the camera. You can't stop staring at his unibrow, but, <laughs> um, but but you expect him to be talking about like all the usual great movies, the you know, the standard whatever it is, Godfather, uh, uh Gone with the Wind or whatever the fuck. And what he ends up talking about are these handful of films that he watched when he was a kid because he was asthmatic and he li- they lived in hell's kitchen and he went to the theater pretty much every day to be able to breathe with the air conditioning. And he saw these movies over and over and over again. And they created not just his worldview, but his love of film. And some of them weren't considered critical, critical, you know, successful films. I think it was one called cat people in it where it was super low budget and it was a horror film about these like weird kind of cat people. And <laughs> and they like they don't show any of them in the whole movie. You never see the cat people, but it's like all it's shot in darkness. It's like it's like the it's the ultimate sort of example of a director of a filmmaker making the use of the best use of like what little he or she had. You yeah, know?
0: You've got twenty bucks, so figure out the shadows. <laughs> right. And so
1: it's the whole fear of the unknown that comes out of this, that he, that Scorsese talks about in it. And he, and he talks about these movies with with such reverence and, and how by watching them over and over again, he got a better understanding of filmmaking of, hmm. of producing without even having to have anyone over his shoulder talking about it. And then I'm like, oh my God, I'm just like Martin Scorsese. (laughs) I mean, someone had to say it. (laughs) No, but I, yeah, exactly. Right, same exact uh, career paths, um, (laughs) you know. But no, but like, it just, it blew my mind because it was like, wow, that's not just like a thing in my head. It really is something that you can say, oh, these are my favorite films of all time, but these movies that you really sort of, that sort of got caught your interest and, and, you know, began a fascination with film and TV that eventually led to me having a job in all this and meeting my wife and meeting you and, you know, in that order. Um, <laughs> but no, but like, it's in a pretty fascinating kind of adventure thing. So, um, And so then to go back to my, not to force this, but this is, it's really like where my therapy led me, which was, you know, understanding that my dad eventually kind of took a turn. Um, You know, my parents kind of raised me to, to understand all these things that, that these movies kind of you know, gave me the, the opportunity to, to watch these things gave me the sort of liberal, um, background where it wasn't just, no, you have to watch this John Wayne movie and that's it or whatever the hell, you know, there was no Fox news at at the time. Um, but then also my dad just sort of, um, you know, just getting more cynical and getting more, whatever it's people, people do, they get older and, and, and that stuff. and, And my just sort of inability to understand him not wanting to watch Gandhi at that moment, (laughs) but rather, you know, Fox and Friends, you know, is like, it's my, you know, I have to appreciate the fact that They respected me enough as a kid to to watch those things, to not necessarily need parental guidance. They treated me enough like an adult to where I could, you know, gather up those fascinations, that passion. And then also helped me throughout college and everything to to continue to work in TV, to recognize that passion. Um, And politically or if my dad's like you know his his issues are like come with you know racism or any other sort of terrible things that can come from people who admire Trump like if i'm still being honest and true to the things the lessons that i learned by watching those favorite films of mine you know I have to learn to also just res- appreciate that and forgive my dad for any sort of bad things and recognize the positive focus on that, you know, and cause I don't think I'm ever going to know what, yeah. you know, and, but I would not want any other dad in the world. Like the man, I never, never didn't feel loved, you know? My entire life, my parents have always been amazing with that stuff. And, um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I it, it's a weird journey to have gone through that and also just sort of my therapist just being like, wait, why are we talking about blazing saddles right now?
0: Like, <laughs> Oh, you've got, you've got critiques too. Yeah,
1: exactly.
0: But it's like, but to your point, right. I think it's like they're. All memories of your father, right? They're just different times and things, and it it makes me really happy to hear you speak nostalgically about this. The movies you're watching as a child with them, and I don't know if it's separating it or we're being able to make a choice not to tarnish those things and go. Well, he did, you know, some stuff later. I didn't dig. But that doesn't mean the other stuff wasn't great, you yeah. know.
1: Yes, and I also think. I- Okay. So, I mean, you know, we're about to have a child and yeah, first, my first for me and for my wife. Uh, and so, you know, you definitely start to kind of, I don't know, I'm not really quite there yet, but I, you know, after kind of thinking through this whole discussion here, it's like, we start to kind of wonder like, wh- what are you going to do differently with the way you would raise a kid or how would you deal with that stuff? And, and you know, I know people now, it's very difficult to get kid, keep kids away from it. the screen, as they say. Um, sorry.
0: That's your screen.
1: Um, so, yeah, it's just like, I think all that screen time and all those kind of things, I think that there's, I mean, I'm not going to like, you know, be like, oh, science is bullshit. Like, whatever the <laughs> studies are, or, you know, they're just making that up because whatever. It's. I'm sure those those things are real. And I'm sure I probably have more ADD. I certainly have, I know that I literally have a vitamin D deficiency. And I think it's probably because I, I'm such an indoor cat because I watched so much damn TV and still do. But then also as like being a post producer for so many years. Yeah. You sit in edit rooms for so long.
0: Yeah. It's in I, the dark.
1: I, yeah. I could not be any paler. But that's the stuff where, again, not to, but it was just like, this coming to peace with, with the shit that my dad was kind of going through and also just understanding that people, you know, that's the other thing too. It's like people have certain ways to get through the day.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, we all have our different methods and my dad had it by you know, absorbing a lot of, like, angry shit, you know? I got it, or I still continue to have it by just getting lost in a story or finding, like, a great, uh, you know, a great biography or or, or biographical film like like Gandhi and, and, you know, uh, getting hope out of that Mm -hmm. as opposed to just this feeling of, you know, and of... Uh, the world is terrible, and we have to change it all back to the way it used to be. Kind of vibe, but those that pushed his buttons, you know.
0: Yeah,
1: um, he's an accordion player, so he's used to pushing buttons. But
0: he's okay. like, I don't understand. Right. But I mean, that's look. It is like Fox News is the easy one, but most of the cable news networks, it's gamified, right? It's like it's like being in a casino with. Sp- People with better haircuts, like it's just like I, uh, uh, you know, yeah,
1: yeah. They, I mean, they they know exactly what they're doing. They're they're providing yeah. like the perfect grift um, for these people. And what is so ironic about it is, is that like being this like guy who, who myself who've lived in New York since my entire adult life, I don't know how to fix a tire. I've never really paid a mortgage. I don't really know a lot of important essential things in the world. Yeah. yeah. And when I talk to people who are of a conservative mind, there's a tradition of them for being people who, who know how to do that stuff, who are like a lot more sort of, you know, there's a, the sort of, the, the
0: sort of like traditional, um, teachings. They know. Yeah. Roll your mm-hmm. sleeves up and get it done. Someone taught them at some point. And, and and these are
1: the people who are just like, oh, dude, you would never go to that guy for this because he'll rip you off. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, yeah, totally. Thanks. I'm glad that's why I called you. Hey, by the way, are you still supporting fucking President Snake Oil Salesman? What is wrong with you? Yeah. That's how fun, man. But this is where I always... I like i continue to go down that road and I, and I always get bitchy and nasty about it. But at the end of the day... I do really f- kind of feel like I don't think that people should not talk to each other. I just, It's the worst thing we can do. It's the worst thing we can do, you know? And honestly, like, if they do split up Facebook, maybe in some ways that would be good. In some ways it would, but a lot of ways it would be bad. Like, because then people are just going to all move to flock to their side. And we won't have those debates. We won't have those conversations that even now that we're having. Um, which aren't necessarily always productive. Although I do think that there's a part portion of the country who is like, who wants to do the right thing, but is kind of concerned at where we're heading and what's going on. And, but their original values were part of a Republican, you know, side of things anyway.
0: yeah, No, I mean, look, it's it's, like, I think the worst thing any side can do is go, well, those people are evil. And Look, I'm not saying there's not evil people on both sides, but it it just it doesn't help anyone to go that batch of people is this. Yeah. Um, You know, and and, and like obviously there's traits on either side of the aisle. But the, the second we just decide to write off a whole group of people, it's problematic. Yeah. When I did that bike trip from Virginia to Florida, you're biking through states and counties that I would argue are probably the opposite of the way I vote right certainly not a lone gentleman on a bicycle digging into politics at my road stops but I will tell you again I think if we see a person more than people we can help each other and I know this is kind of corny but like every person that came up to me was like yo what are you doing all these bags on your bike Where are you going and you know I'd be in like deep Virginia and be like I'm going to Florida and they're like want to talk to me about it. But every single person said, Hey, be safe when they say goodbye. And I just was really like moved by that, you know? Yeah. And like, you know, if I found that guy in a chat show about politics, we'd probably have a screaming match.
1: Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, that's, and that's another thing is that I think that there's a lot of, one of the rules that I try to provide for myself when you engage with people on social media or whatever is, you're speaking to them as though you were speaking to them in person. You know,
0: that's as a great though,
1: tactic. Like this is the thing I, that I would say to you if you and I were sitting in a bar right now. So yeah, so people feed off of that, and then they forget how to be human with one another. And, or my dad would say stuff to me sometimes where he would just be like, "Ah, liberals and this, and this, and this, like something," and and I'm like, "Dad, you're that's you're talking about me. You're talking about my wife." Yeah. Like that's who we are. Why, why are you making us sound like we're... Yeah, like you know me.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, mean, really? I went to uh, my cousin's wedding in Florida and my goddaughter and her two sisters, when I rolled up, were like, the liberals here, the liberals here. And I was like, yo, this is crazy. But they're really smart kids, right? So like, I sat down at the table and I was like, hey, look, I'm happy that you care about politics at all. But like... Yeah. What do you think that means? And if, you know, she's like, Trump, Trump, Trump. But, you know, she's still a 12-year-old, right? But you're like, but why? Just, I just want to hear why you like him. I'm not even going to judge you or say anything. And there is, like, a weird feeling of, like, indoctrination at that point. To be that passionate at that age without facts. Absolutely. And it's yeah. just like, Ugh.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, and you don't want to betray, like, a family... Like, it, it, if you insult that candidate, you're insult, literally insulting their family, you know, which is just not the fucking case. And Yeah,
0: like, and let's have a chat. Let's, you know, and I think a lot of things people, when you become the quote-unquote liberal person in the family, I, I think they can be surprised if you have a talk. I mean, their whole thing was like, oh, yeah, you must be psyched about Hillary Clinton. And I'm like, not at all. I'm just more psyched about her than your guy. Yeah. So like, talk about indoctrinate Indoctrination. I will not.
1: If people buy something, it's just like baby liberal. I'm not. That's not going on a kid.
0: I yeah, want, yeah, yeah, I yeah. That's let it be a child.
1: I mean, she's going to be a Steelers fan and, and a Pirates and Penguins fan, or that's the end of that shit. Yeah, but I mean, that's. But the uh, but the other <laughs> aspect of it, it's just like let it let it happen.
0: Um, I wanted to ask you something before you said, uh, you know. So I'm thinking about things I would do differently for my dad when my child comes, my daughter comes this fall. What would you do the same as your dad? Wow. I promise I'm not trying to like make you cry or anything.
1: No. Uh, wow, that's a great question. I
0: you get any
1: goosebumps? Um I get my dad is just like I'm really, really sad that he's not gonna be able to meet her. Yeah. I mean, that part just, I try not to think about it. Um, But to your point, I think like having just that, just always feeling loved. My dad never, I mean, and, and, and the pride that he had for me the pride that my dad had from my dad said the nicest thing when I was at my, it was at our wedding and I was like the day after and he just was just talking about how lovely all my friends were and Emily's friends and the, everything. And, and he was just like, he's just like, you know, you're, you're just, you're just like, um, he loved his parents a lot and they were just salt of the earth. Amazing people. My grandparents and he said, you're just like grandma and grandpa. You, you don't have any enemies. You know, you don't, mm. you know, pe- people respect you. And and I was like, yeah, well, they feel that same way about you. And he goes, well, oh, I mean, it's not the same. And I didn't even know what that meant. But it was just like, wow. Like, just to have that, for, for him to have that pride in me, I mean, that's like, probably the greatest compliment I'll ever get in my life. And I guess, I guess is like, I would want to be that level. Uh, I would being somebody that I can, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to put it the right way here. Just, just ha- making sure that I'm, I'm, despite flaws or whatever it is that I'm still as much of a role model for her as my dad was for me.
0: And that was Zorin talking about cable movies, but honestly talking about fatherhood and, and what it means to him. And, and I just want to say thanks again to Zorin for really just letting himself talk about these things and being candid and being open. And it, it really was a, a beautiful conversation, which, honestly was significantly longer and edited down a little bit, but the, in- the entire thing was great. And again, I, ju- I just want to say thanks to Zoran. Um, that's it for this week's episode. Remember you can follow us at I love it underscore podcast on Instagram and we'll be back soon. Be good. Bye.